This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello, VRUP community and industry friends. A quick note that Vancouver Real Estate Podcast is hiring. If you are an agent or if you're going to be licensed in the next 90 days, please reach out at info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Again, that's info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I should say hosts and also realtors with Oakland Realty in downtown Vancouver. Today, we've got a phenomenal episode. We have Tom Davidoff, Associate Professor Tom Davidoff at the Sutter School of Business. When I think Tom, I think all things real estate, just one of the best guys to listen to. Yes. Right? Like I feel like he, he not only has the kind of knowledge and really interesting things to say. But the way he says things, it's uh, it's always makes for a compelling show. I'm a huge Tom Davidoff fan. That's and, right. Uh, it's great. We're to not talk alone. To We're not alone. Yeah. And, and everybody, I think, that listens to our show loves Tom's episodes as well. We always get great feedback. So if you like Tom uh, and you want to reach out, feel free to reach out. Or this share the episode. Ep- share yeah. the episode with a friend. That's, a, that's even a better idea. You know share what? And we should say, like, we specifically had Tom on. Of course, we do our regular kind of talking points with Tom. But, you know, there's been a lot of zoning changes. And Tom has been involved in some of them, uh, as I understand, at the provincial level. So we're talking R11, the change to the RS zoning in in Vancouver. We're talking the new policy prescriptions for the province at the NDP level around transit, uh, transit transit-oriented developments, how that plays out from an economic lens, uh, with Tom being an economist. And uh, and what that does to land values and where the opportunities are. There's there's a ton uh, going on in today's episode. Yeah, and we talk about all the regular fare as well. The interest what's the market going to do? What the market's going to do? Tom puts his neck out there another time, uh, betting on where the market will be at the end of the year. You don't want to miss what Tom has to say about the market this episode. It's a it's a great conversation. The other thing I just wanted to touch on quickly next week, we are going to dig deep into the into the zoning with an architect who is actually she was phenomenal. deep deep in the weeds yeah and and this is uh this is um, and deep in the weeds in the best sense like actually unpacking what the zoning means what she's seeing on the ground right and uh and where we go from here yeah we had Tara Gronland uh she is a the principal at an architecture firm called GDP Architecture that's right and uh T- Tara came on uh, I don't want to say Tara. I always, uh, I, I miss, no. messed, messed it up. Uh, no, I know. It was very embarrassing. Very embarrassing and still thinking about it. God, why'd you no, say that? No, but Tara was, <laughs> Tara was, Tara was great, right? So Tara we have, was. we have kind of a high level from Tom yes. and then we go deep, deep into the details with Tara and Tara uh, talks about the province, what you're going to be able to do or what we're kind of, what we know about zoning changes and the multiplex at the provincial level. 
Then we dial in on the city of Vancouver, which we have a much better understanding of. What can you do with with a lot in Vancouver? What can you build? What's coming? Uh, what everything? Yeah, no, it it's 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 fantastic. Well, fantastic. Why should you be excited? Yeah, two part series. Yes, and Matt, uh, the other thing I want to mention is um, we are just back from Dustin Woodhouse's be BT, the, BTBB. Be, be the, the better, better broker. broker. Be the yeah. better broker. Yeah. Yeah. So Dustin had, uh, I think it's his first conference he's done. I, um, I feel like Dustin was invented for those types of conferences. Yeah. Oh, was he good? He's, it, was, it was like watching a master at work. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Anyways, we were just in Whistler. Got to say Longhorns uh, really underestimated that place. <laughs> <laughs> the Apri ski is pretty oh, good. Oh, pretty good. Even if you're not skiing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the conference was great too. Uh, it was weird Stephen how we was skiing, there. but we wore our ski gear. And uh, No, you have to point, wear the goggles at Longhorns. Yeah. At one point you were dancing on the table in goggles. That's right. It was, uh, things got a little off the charts there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a couple 40-year-old guys. Yeah. Uh, you spoke entirely the whole afternoon in an accent. I'm not sure why. <laughs> you actually had an embarrassing <laughs> moment where you said to somebody, <laughs> what part of Australia are you from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and she said, England. <laughs> England, yeah. which was very... <laughs> and you said, oh, you must have been here a while. You're, you're yeah, starting to I, sound Australian. She wasn't buying it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the capital of Australia? Whistler. That's the, yeah, that's the old yeah, joke, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, okay. Uh, Swing and a miss. <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Dustin uh, Dustin had the, um, what was the rules? The Chatham House? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the point is, is that. We can't really speak about can't, anything. We can't that really speak about anything that went on. <laughs> That's our understanding of the yeah. rules. You can speak about the content of the conference, but you can't. Oh right, I might have even let people know who said it. So does that right. mean are we even? No, able I think we can say, say Stephen Potts, uh, former yeah. governor of the Bank of Canada, was there. Right. We also had uh, CMHC's economist. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, we also had CMHC economist uh, Bob Doug in there. Uh, it was awesome. It was yeah. I mean, the, Stephen Paulus, I got to say, it's crazy how you talk to so many people and you're like, oh man, that guy's next level. This guy's next level. And then he was kind of that next, next level Yeah. Uh, where, uh, man, what a fantastic talk. And, uh, and then Dustin and him had kind of a fireside chat that was equally as good. It was I crazy. Read a, I read a book review of, of uh, what is it called? The Age of Uncertainty. Age of Uncertainty, yeah. I read a book review where they're like, it's like, your uncle ex- explaining complicated economics at like such a basic level of understanding or like, like to a soothing, a, yeah, like to, like a, a, to a child, voice to yeah. a child. He's like, but it, but you, you read that book and apparently you have a much better understanding of, of really complicated theories. So. Uh, well, a lot of, a lot of the things that are going on and, and he outlined all those, all the, all the volatile aspects of our, our world right now, including demographics, climate change, technological change. I wish we could change. talk about it. I wish we could <laughs> we say, anyway, it's a great book. <laughs> And it was a great talk. And thanks, Dustin, for uh, for inviting us. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. And before we get to today's episode, this week we are sponsored by Scalina Real Estate, which is our real estate company in Vancouver. Um, today, I want to just mention an awesome listing that we have coming. It's a two-bed, two-bath in Mount Pleasant at District, which Ooh, a lot of people know District. Love that building. Awesome thing about District is it's got, like, first of all, this unit is so great. Really great floor plan, um, uh, overlooking the courtyard, kind of forever views. Beautiful, beautiful uh, unit, but 
should say the rooftop deck at District is amazing too. I was up there today. Sun is shining. Uh, no, I know. You know what? You think if there's any place to be like in July... It's Longhorns. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, July on 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 a rooftop, a, district pat, rooftop. a common rooftop patio totally. on in the main street corridor. It's like, totally. could you be at a better spot? I don't think so. I know. It's fantastic. So that's coming like to that market. That adds a couple hundred, couple hundred a foot, I would say. Yeah. Almost in my mind. Well, here, here's the thing. Coming Monday. So check VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com where we showcase our featured listings on the podcast site now, which right. is super exciting. And it's on it's on that site. It's on Scalina Real Estate. But when you're checking that out at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, hit sell with us. Yes. Especially if you want your listing featured on VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com or your home totally. featured on uh, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. But Adam, tell us a little bit about when you hit sell with us because you get the sold plan. Yeah, the sold plan. So it's an instant download, our most downloaded document to date. Sold stands for start on launch date. So you pick the day that you want to launch and we give instructions, step-by-step instructions about what to do before you bring your place to market to get top dollar in the shortest amount of time. The guide is there. Download it. Lots of agents, lots of industry people downloading it. Appreciate everybody listening and, uh, got some really kind notes about the sold plan. Uh, absolutely. Appreciate so, that. So uh, without further ado, maybe we should cut to our talk with one of our past guest fan favorites. This uh, one's like legitimate Tom uh, fan favorite, eh? It's just Everybody loves Tom. You're going to enjoy it. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Berquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one-beds to three-beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at marcon.ca slash sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at marconhomes. Marcon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Tom Davidoff, associate professor at UBC Sauter School of Business, and of course, past guest, <laughs> fan favorite, uh, Tom. Thanks, thanks for uh, taking the time today. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, Tom. Maybe uh, for people who have never heard you on the show, can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm an economist. I teach uh, in the real estate group at the Sauter School of Business here at UBC. A bit involved with uh, tax and uh, zoning government uh, policy. And uh, so uh, happy to be with you to chat about the market. 
Fantastic. And and we want to definitely do the, the state of the market conversation that we do all the time with you for sure. Uh, but we also want to talk a little bit about the zoning changes that have uh, the city and the province have both introduced. Uh, maybe for listeners who haven't been following along too closely, can you explain what those changes are that the city of Vancouver and the province of BC have introduced? Sure. So, uh, not long after the ABC uh, Council came in, they passed a sort of a part of the Vancouver plan, the larger uh, sort of omnibus city planning framework uh, that was passed by the last council. And part of that was to sort of reshape what used to be single family zones. It's the majority of the city and a lot of the city south of 16th that is, you know, historically detached single family homes. You know, 15 years ago or so, uh, laneway homes were allowed and basement suites, I think, before that. Uh, Then duplexes became allowed. Well, now we're allowing multiplexes, which uh, can be instead of uh, increasing the amount of density on a lot. So not only can you build more square footage, but you can cut the square footage into uh, four units on a 33-foot lot, a lot of lots are 33 feet wide, uh, and another common number is 50. So when you get to 50 feet wide, you can do a sixplex. So, you know, that is six separate homes detached, you know, freehold ownership uh, as opposed to uh, rental only. So a lot more freedom uh, for what homeowners can do. Whether those deals pencil isn't so clear because the density takes you from something like 0.8 under prior zoning to one. So, you know, you're increasing by about a quarter uh, how much you can build. The province has been uh, probably more generous. They've released a framework where every pretty much every municipality in the province can't have zoning less than about 1.5 floor space ratio because they're they're sort of instructing municipalities to allow 50% lot coverage. That is, structures can cover 50% of the lot uh, and they can be three stories tall. So if you combine those two facts, that takes you to a 1.5 FSR, which is more generous than the city. So it'll be interesting to see if the city says, okay, we're the best place in the province to add square footage because there's the greatest need here as reflected by prices, hopefully uh, the city will get the message and say, well, let's step up to where the province is and go up to 1.5. But so far, the city's at somewhat less density uh, than other jurisdictions, which is a bit weird. How about uh, homes around the SkyTrain stations and the 20-story buildings? Yeah, right. So uh, we should talk about that. So the province, in addition to densifying previously single family areas, also said if you're within some distance of a SkyTrain station, you're allowed to build to much higher density. Uh, And I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but basically, you know, within 200 meters, there's a very high density. It steps down at something like two to four and then four to eight or 500, you know, uh, some definition, you sort of step down in density uh, as you get a little bit further away from major stations. So those can be big bus intersections uh, or they can be actual SkyTrain stations and and then you get that extra density. So yes, there will be some single family owners who all of a sudden get up zoned to significantly more density. And then along with that change, uh, there's some changes in the rules for how cities are allowed to extract value uh, from the owners. So the owners probably will see considerable windfalls uh, near near the SkyTrain. 
I think I know the answer to this, Tom, but in your mind, uh, is this good policy? Uh, yeah, I, I think it is a pretty good policy, um, especially the provincial stepping up to 1.5 FSR. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people struggling with uh, the ability to find a home. And, you know, single family zoning is a bit like uh, let them eat cake. Uh, when Mary Antoinette heard uh, the province, uh, the um, sorry, the peasants uh, couldn't uh, <laughs> afford bread, uh, she said, "Let them eat cake." And you know, uh, dealing with a uh, housing affordability crisis with seventy percent of the land or more in most jurisdictions dedicated to detached single-family homes certainly has that flavor. Now, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, you know, you can allow this density; it's not going to change the buildings that get built won't be affordable." That's true. Uh, hopefully, there'll be some sp- they'll be more affordable than detached homes, and hopefully, there'll be some spillover as you add new apartments that pushes down the prices and rents of older apartments, which become relatively depreciated and subject to more competition. Tom, how how quickly does this move the needle in terms of adding supply? Well, you know, uh, along with some other measures, for example, you know, rezonings, if they're consistent with the city plan, don't involve a public hearing. The the process of getting multifamily housing should get sped up both because there's more sites where you can build it and because the political process to get it done should be smoother. But uh, right now, uh, as you know, we're staring at, you know, still continued high interest rates, which aren't great for rental projects and aren't great for um, the price of uh, ownership housing. So, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see a ton of construction this year and stuff takes time to get built. Uh, so, you know, this is an improvement that starts a couple years down the road before there's any any real uh, impact. The, the impact you might see actually in the short run is, and I, and I don't know how this will play out, I don't think we've seen a giant increase in in, um, the single-family home prices yet. Right. Uh, But it's certainly possible that the market for detached homes, especially on large lots, uh, subject to this provincial zoning in well-situated suburbs, you know, if you have a teardown on a 70-foot lot in in North Van, that that might might have become quite a bit more attractive in the short run. So that's where, in terms of uh, cost appreciation, you're expecting to see single family in the next, because yeah, it, it is interesting. Like there seems like there's been no, no movement yet, but you're expecting in the next year or two for values to increase fairly dramatically in, in certain situations. Well, I, I, I should be careful. Yeah. I mean, if you have a tear down on a very large lot within the SkyTrain catchment, I don't think there's any question you're going to see significant value increase. If you have a home that was just, you know, torn down and rebuilt into a fancy single family on a 50-foot lot in a suburb, you know, not near any kind of transit, then, uh, you know, the option to tear that fancy building down and build some new buildings isn't going to be worth much at all. So, you know, the effect uh, of increasing property value because you're able to build more is going to depend on what you can build and how how nice the existing property is. I don't think, you know, to my knowledge, that we've seen a big land rush and the information is already out there to the market. Uh, but, you know, so some properties certainly will see increases in value. And, and I've, I've heard anecdotally, you know, the single family market is maybe getting a little bit tighter. I, you guys would know better than I. But to the extent that's true, that could be builder interest. I, I just don't know. Right. It'll be interesting to watch. You know, and it, all the headlines around this policy were, you know, something akin to the death of the single family house, right? We've been talking a lot more about is the death of the duplex. It, mm-hmm. it, do, you, do you have any thoughts on that? Because like w- one thing I've been thinking about is 
you know, duplexes in Vancouver are are really good family properties, right? And it strikes me that a lot of uh, what would have been duplexes will now be smaller units and we'll go back to that, you know, we're not building anything for families in the city of Vancouver. Do you see that happening? Yeah, possibly. You know, on 33-foot lots, I have heard, you know, trying to do the math and the sort of, which I can do okay, the physical way out of the site is challenging and, you know, you have to put in what a pad-mounted transformer or whatever the word is for, for hydro. It's not totally obvious to me uh, that the economics are, are better than doing what builders already know on the 33-foot lots, given the city's zoning. So, and I don't think there's a lot of duplex on the larger lots. So it's not clear to me that the sort of west side or, or east side 33-foot lot duplex is dead yet. I think that would be a bit premature to announce. Uh, but uh, you didn't hear you know, it here. We'll first. see, right? I mean, I think I think one thing that's likely is as the building community gets familiar with the new regulations and architects come up with creative solutions around whatever constraints are imposed, maybe you start to see more take up of these multiplex options. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I'm just thinking back to the the early days of laneways and how now when you look at those. I mean, I guess the, they've relaxed what you can do with a laneway. But when you look at those early laneways there, it's like these are unlivable. And they've really, you know, over a decade, they've really kind of transformed. So I wonder if the, you know, it's going to, there's going to be some learning here in the the first couple of years. You're going to see some, some pretty difficult to imagine living in spaces. I, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, the province, I believe, is going to release uh, some sort of templates of what might be done under their regulations. I don't know if that'll be applicable under the city's more modest zoning. Hopefully the city will do the same thing uh, rather than, you know, sort of guess what, you know, city city planning will accept and then have them tell you you guessed wrong. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I don't know how, how that'll shake out. But I, I certainly would expect uh, that both in terms of design, like you say, and cost, uh, there'll be some learning by doing. So maybe the death of the front back duplex remains, but the death of the side by side duplex, I think, is yeah maybe. the fifty footers. <laughs> Tom, uh, just kind of changing gears a little bit. What are your thoughts on the current state of the market? I know we're we're only a few weeks into the new year here, but um, any any thoughts on the current state? Well, you know, as usual, Vancouver's real estate market has surprised me to the upside. Right? If you told me we'd go through a pandemic that made people not be able to work for a year or have to work in a very compromised situation from home. And then after that, you're going to have like a giant increase in interest rates to levels we haven't seen since the very early 2000s. You know, if you asked me, okay, what's that going to do to home prices? I would have said, well, I think that would be very negative for home prices, but it, it hasn't been terribly. I, you know, I, I don't think stuff is selling for much more than, I don't know, 10%, 15 in some cases, discount off of where the top of the market was before rates started coming up. So, you know, I think the story is people just aren't selling. And, you know, you didn't want to sell at the peak prices. Why would you want to sell today? And where are you going to move? But the longer uh, people have to pay high interest rates, the more people are graduating because, you know, mortgage loans tend to be five-year terms or less. Uh, and some people have variable rates, so and even variable payments. So, the longer high interest rates survive, the more owners are going to find it pretty unpleasant 
to continue to make payments. If you had a condo that you were using for Airbnb purposes, you have the double whammy of higher costs and now having to make lower revenue because a regular rental pays less than a month of Airbnb net of expense from, from what I understand. So, you know, you'd think you might see some downward pressure on condo prices. And then on top of that, I guess you have some pre-sales coming to completion, uh, some of which, you know, you might have some people walking away if, if the deposits were small and, and the prices haven't come out to, to where people were hoping they would and or, or just can't close on a mortgage. So, you know, you'd think there'd be a bunch of pressure, particularly on condo. Uh, as high rates survive, but but I just don't know that the impact has been there in terms of price. I, I, I certainly don't see any bargain basement discounts flying off the shelf. Right. And what are your thoughts on like last week, I guess we, we learned that the inflation numbers were a bit higher than anticipated at 3.4%. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on inflation and do you think we see cuts this year? Yeah. So let's take one step back. I said, I don't think you see any bargain basement discounts flying off the shelf. And that was kind of a stupid sentence because <laughs> they wouldn't be flying off the shelf. <laughs> they wouldn't be discounting that level because the whole point is the market's cold. But let, <laughs> we'll let that sleeping dog lie. Uh, let's talk about inflation. So yeah, you know, I, I think tomorrow there's an interest rate decision coming and nobody thinks there's going to be a cut. I'd be very surprised to see a rate increase. You know, I, I lack a crystal ball just like everybody else. But, uh, you know, the bond market still thinks interest rate cuts are coming because long-term yields, uh, I believe, continue to be uh, higher than short-term. So I, I think we'll see cuts starting to come. But, uh, you know, beating inflation is tough. It requires toughness from central banks. And people have to believe that the central bank is really committed to fighting inflation. I think that's typically viewed as an important part of the fight against inflation. So I don't think there'll be like an immediate capitulation back to 2% interest rates or anything like that. And, you know, they're looking at the globe, you know, maybe I'm prone to pessimism, uh, but there seems like there's a lot of bad things going around. You know, the uh, Hamas's horrendous invasion followed by, you know, well, you know, we don't need to get into, you know, rights and wrongs, but, you know, certainly a very, very large counterattack has led the Houthis in Yemen, at the, maybe at the behest of the Iranians, to start, you know, messing with shipping in that neck of the woods. And that I, I don't think is very good for prices when you can't get ships through an important passage. You know, there's hot spots all over the world. So, you know, and, and you know, whether the central bank should see inflation caused by supply shortages as a reason to keep rates high is a complicated macro question. But, you know, my suspicion is until we see inflation back, back, you know, in the two to three percent range consistently, we're not going to see much by way of rate cuts. So, don't know, right, don't know. <laughs> right. And, but is that you know going back to your your kind of comments on on the market and Vancouver surprising to the upside? It does seem like you're still pretty pessimistic in in a lot of ways about 2024. Am I getting that right or? No, I'd say a little more uncertain, right? So, you know, if rates do come down, which is certainly something that is a possibility, right? I mean, suppose rates come down a percent this year. I think there's got to be a lot of pent-up demand, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of itchy trigger fingers that will come back in as rates start to come down. Because, you know, we, everybody knows if rates get back into, you know, I don't know, the threes on a fixed, you know, it, it's going to be a, a 
bonanza craziness. So, uh, you know, you have to think people with any liquidity aren't going to wait until rates come all the way down to try and anticipate that jump. So, uh, you know, if, if interest rates do start coming down, inflation starts to look good, then I think things get, get very hot. But I, I do think, though, you know, the, there's a sort of bucking bronco uh, underneath a lot of uh, condo owners and, 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 and even owners of a variety of home types of continued interest rates, maybe making continuing to make payments pretty unattractive. So you'd think supply starts to come online and, you know, people die, people get divorced. And eventually people want to want to sell. And so, you know, people holding off from selling in a market where buyers don't have the buying power to, to absorb a lot, you know, you can only hold out so long, you'd think. So in the world where inflation is persistent and rates stay high, I think we could see continued decreases in prices and, th- and those could be significant. I, I, you know, is that a 30% probability? Maybe something like that. We know you you're involved in in a lot of the the policy discussions at, at the very least that are uh, centered on housing in the province. Is it kind of now understood that supply is fundamentally the issue? Like, is that is that just a given now? I feel like we we've kind of tried everything else, but you know, thinking about all of the the negatives you just pointed out, and that Vancouver's kind of weathered the last eighteen to twenty four months you know, pretty well. And, and, you know, with everything going on, like is supply just now it? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think, I think there's a certain, uh, probably a consensus that there's too much demand for not enough supply. I have seen some commentary that, oh, look, you know, the feds just came to uh, recognize that there's too many foreign students. And so they've just clamped down on that. I, I'm skeptical. I, I think, you know, Certainly, some markets in Toronto were extremely impacted by a very large number of, um, you know, foreign student visa holders. You know, I I, I don't think that's going to solve all of our problems. I, I don't think anybody thinks rents are now going to magically become affordable, but it may take some pressure off. So, so one does see, no, 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 you know, it really is all about demand. But I think I think most people think you know there just aren't enough homes for people. I, I can't imagine there's anybody who's tried to find a rental home who believes there's <laughs> enough homes to right. meet demand. <laughs> right. So I'm I'm pretty surprised, right? I mean, certainly in the big picture, right? It used to be 10, 15 years ago. If there was a, a planning hearing about some kind of development, it would be 100% neighboring homeowners complaining, you know, that you know a, a three-story rental building is devastating to their neighborhood's character. Uh, and now it's very much the opposite. There's a lot of pressure on politicians to add supply because of the large millennial generation continuing to struggle to find a place to live. Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join typing in VRP 2020. So Tom, last year was characterized as having historic lows in inventory kind of throughout. Do you think we see a, we see more inventory this year or what are your thoughts on inventory? Like I said, I, I think, you know, when you have suppressed inventory, it's sellers who probably would like to sell, but, but don't like where the market is. And may, maybe they talk to a realtor or just, just think, you know, maybe I'm better off waiting a little bit for, for demand to pick up, you know, likely when rates fall or, you know, if there's some positive news in the economy. So, you know, when demand's depressed, sellers can hold off and they do when they have. Uh, but you can't hold off forever. Again, you know, people die, people get divorced, people want to, you know, change homes, move to a different city to, to, for a job, something like that. A and you do have for investors the on, you know, more and more people are going to graduate into higher interest rates. So it, in the world in which rates stay high, probably people have to sell to a greater degree than they did in 2023 this year. And of course, in the world where prices start to tick up, uh, then those sellers who've been who've been waiting for a hotter market, you know, will release. So mm -hmm. you know, we generally see uh, a positive relationship between sales volume and prices. There's more sales that occur in a hot market than in a cold market. But I, I just I just don't think you can have low levels of sales forever, even in the high interest rate environment. So that's a very long winded answer to say definitely if rates start coming down significantly, I think we'll see more volume. And I kind of think we'll see more volume either way, certainly by the second half of the year. Tom, maybe uh, thinking a little bit uh, big picture here, how's, how's the, the economy in, in Vancouver and British Columbia more generally? You know, I think we, we've weathered, uh, as I understand it, uh, em employment is doing okay. You know, we haven't seen a big surge in unemployment despite the federal reserves around the world uh, looking to slow down economies. So, you know, uh, you know, I think Canada generally, we're sort of flirting with recession. There's certainly been a slowdown, not surprisingly, given the, the combo of inflation and, and higher rates. But you know we're not we're not we're not into recession here yet, and obviously you know skilled trades. Uh, there's certainly um, employment categories where there's still a shortage of labor rather than a shortage of jobs. Do you think you know it, it was before this conversation? It was my impression that you know we're we're not out of the the woods, but the worst is kind of behind us in terms of the last couple of years, especially in the housing market, I guess. But this soft landing or, you know, potential recession is kind of here 
rates coming down, things should start picking up again. Is that, I, I'm starting to, you know, revise that thinking based on this conversation that we're maybe not as close to the end as, as I was thinking. Do I have that right based on, on what you're seeing? No, no. You know, I'm really, I'm really trying to be uh, pretty agnostic, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm just not sold that, you know, dramatic rate cuts are, you know, it, it's not a lock that 2024 sees, you know, rate cut after rate cut at meetings just because, you know, we had that bad read on inflation and, mm -hmm. um, you know, a recession isn't so great for the market either. So, no. you know, the thing that sort of changes central bankers' mind is we get some rate cuts because, you know, there's a lot of job loss. That's not great either. So I do, of course, hope for the soft landing. We all do. And it's certainly not out of the question that that last inflation read was a drag. And again, th this global picture, you know, I just can't believe, you know, rocket propelled grenades from, you know, people in developing countries bodes well for for <laughs> for the price of commodities right uh, and and goods generally but you know I don't know maybe maybe we'll uh you know you're all you always are are game to stick your neck out Tom where do you think the Bank of Canada is with the rate overnight rate at at the end of the year end of 2024 best guess uh, you know I'm gonna say I think if I had to guess you know I'll do it one percent lower at the end of the year than we are today. Okay. That seems to be, yeah. Okay. I was hoping you'd say uh, one and a half, but. Uh... <laughs> but what is the market? So, you know, like uh, can you, we can infer from, uh, from, from the yield curve. I think, I think that you're, you're bang on. It seems like the, seems the, to be the, the consensus is, is, uh, is a point. One, 1%. Yeah. 1% down. And, and what about prices? CPI. Well, I'm on I'm on the hook for some colleagues if we don't get to, to within the two to three percent range consistently. I think I'm out twenty bucks. So let me try and jawbone uh, everybody into that range again. I think <laughs> we'll be in the target range. And Tom, and every year we ask you about uh, home prices. What are, What are your thoughts on what does the market do uh, for 2024? Well, you know, that's tricky, right? Because these multiplexes should be bad news for townhome and duplex and condo prices because you've got more multifamily supply coming online. But I'm going to bet against foresight on the part of consumers in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Prices should reflect, you know, all the information we have today. And it is very clear that there's a lot of townhome duplex type product. And, apart, and condo coming on, and, and of course condo because of the um, transit-oriented development. But I, I'm going to bet that, you know, the typical buyer makes decisions based on what inventory is available today, not what inventory they think is going to be available. You do have the pre-sales impact. So, but I don't think pre-sales are going to impact even uh, the existing market very much. So I'm going to say condo comes down a bit further uh, this year, 2020, oh boy, start of the year, end of the year, I think rates are down. Ah, let's call it even. Let's call it even, Stephen, for, uh, even for, for most detached. Single oh. family, I think, you know, if people, again, I don't think there's going to be a lot of builders out there necessarily this year with multiplex because rates remain high. But I still think that ought to have some impact uh, along with uh, a bit of a, a rate recovery so let's say uh, single family, uh, I'm going to go seven and a half up year over year. Wow. Seven. And, so just so I have it here, we're, we're going seven and a half up on single family, townhome and condo. You're thinking flat? flat. Yep. Okay. 
Man, that's actually pretty look, specific. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So you know what that means, everybody? <laughs> buy and sell your house and buy a condo. Buy condo. I'm always wrong. <laughs> I'm all in on condos. <laughs> No, that's uh, no, that's that that's great. Well, yeah, we'll have to we'll, we'll have to check that check in at the end of the year. What am, am I am I okay for the start of the year? Am I am I at least correct? The condo inventory is a little thicker than uh, single family right now. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely that. right. The one thing that is uh, interesting and it's kind of yet to be seen, but it does. I, and I think Adam, you'd say the same thing. I feel like I've had more people literally reach out in the last week than I had reach out in the last six months of 2023. <laughs> yeah. So it it is, I my sense is it's going to be a much busier year. What that means for pricing, who knows? But it does feel like there's a, a thaw happening right now in the market. That's I, for sure. I feel like we're mirroring, and I, I agree with that, but I feel like we're mirroring 2023, kind of the beginning mm. of 2023 in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like that it's like, feels like that kind of optimism. I, I feel like it actually feels, is, feels even busier to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only, the only thing I'm, you know, and I definitely agree with you, Tom, if there's, if there's negative news, I can see everybody going back to the sidelines. So I think, and like, even last week, that inflation news yeah. was, it definitely put a damper on some spirits, but yeah, it seems like a lot more people are coming I mean, back. Yeah. I mean, with rate cuts, there's going to be a party, right? I mean, my guess is one, right? So zero is bad. But I mean, if, if there's one and a half, two in cuts, right? If, if rates were anywhere near where we were, you know, a couple of years ago. I, that's why it's just so surprising. I know people can avoid selling, but it's just surprising to me that we saw rates go up as high as they have without more more downside on prices. Because I, I right? I mean, just because I, I don't think anybody believes that we wouldn't see a very large increase in prices uh, with, with rates coming back anywhere near where they were. And the only other thing we've been talking about is investors seem to be coming back. Yeah. Yeah, which is surprising because last year it seemed like they'd completely left the market. So, yeah, yeah, it feels it. It does feel like there's a new renewed optimism, uh, even though you know. I guess maybe there's a slightly more certainty, although not not. Re- I guess around rates, but not like you're saying the global situation is pretty. I don't know if it gets much more uncertain when it comes to the geopolitical risk. Yeah. I mean, you know, a year ago, hyperinflation, right, wasn't ruled out. You know, you could have gotten into a terrible tailspin of high interest rates, you know, rate increases. We, people didn't know that that doesn't seem likely to be on the table today for sure. Tom, we got uh, the quick segment, the five wire. Do you have time for that? Sure. sure. All right. The five wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full-service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. One book that you'd recommend for our listeners? Boy, I'm going to go with The Years by Annie Ernaux, uh, memoir of a French woman, you know, born just after, after the war. So, you know, about my mom's age. So nice in that way. I'd read it in the original French if you could. I read it in English and, you know, I would have been challenged to do the French but I feel like she kind of had a French author vibe to her. It called back uh, reading stuff from high school, you know, just in tone, even though I was reading it in English. So I'm going to guess it's Les Anais. 
by Annie Erno. So uh, that, that's going to be my book recommendation. And is it just so I understand? It's a it's a memoir of kind of post war French woman's life. That's right. And it's sort of like, uh, you know, like that Billy Joel song, you know, we can't stop that we didn't start the fire, whatever, you know, yeah. it's sort of like, you know, a lot of riffing short form, but then she gets a little bit more autobiographical, but she sort of just, it's a, largely her list, listing the things you lived through if you were a leftist French woman born in the 1940s. So, you know, they say that the good thing about fiction is it gives you um, empathy and I think this was a good example of like getting inside somebody else's head. So I liked that. That that was for a book club, and you know, you know, some people are going to be disappointed in that one when they actually read it. It's like, why did Tom recommend this? There's not even any characters in it. But uh, you know, you know, it had. I, I'm going to call it a double win because I like nonfiction because I like to learn stuff about the world when I read and. It had uh, the bonus of, you know, getting really some empathy for this woman, you know, like just a different person from who I am with a totally different set of experiences. So I like that. Interesting. Okay. Tom, in, in the last few years, what new belief, behavior or habit has uh, improved your life? That's a good one. You know, uh, trying to take my time seriously, you know, be respectful of other people's time, my own time, try to spend time wisely you know, not waste time. I think that's, you know, we're uh, only dancing on this earth for a short while, as they say. So, uh, you know, try try to make the most of time. Not that I live it, but certainly it's on my mind. <laughs> Fantastic. Speaking of wasting time, uh, over the holidays, did you binge watch anything or, or have a favorite movie? Oh, yeah. Okay. So again, you're going to have to bear with me. Oh, yeah. Well, I watched The Bear uh, oh. with my wife. And, uh, you know, I liked season one better than season two, but there are a couple wow. of excellent episodes in season two. Uh, Interesting. That character is really compelling and actually uh, reminds me quite a bit of a colleague of mine. So uh, liked it a lot. Wow. I actually thought most people were, were fans of season two over season one. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that. Season one, see, I think season, you know, do you want to show me or do you want to uh, tell me, right? I, I, I want you to show me uh, right. as a general matter. And like the intensity of that kitchen, you know, you sort of got a sense of why people were behaving the way they were just this first yeah. season. All I remember is just the total bananas chaos in the, in yeah, the And kitchen. the frenetic pace. It was, Yeah. Yeah, And then what I didn't like is I felt like a lot of season two is let me now explain to you the exact history of how I arrived at my behavior in season one. The other thing I didn't like was, you know, I think the bear is like a great show full of insight. You know, it's not the Sopranos and it's not the wire, but you know, it's that level of depth of characters and really amazing cinematography. You know, it's just like real, it's art. And then in the middle of this artful show breaks out the hallmark story of a guy and a girl, right? That girlfriend character, not taking anything away from the actress, you know, she's, right. you know, I think she's quite good, but you know, she looks and behaves, they put her in the warm, cozy sweaters and, you know, she's like not, you know, she's a doctor and yet she's not uptight. You know, it's like this absurd, <laughs> uh, ridiculous, you know, character so patient and loving and, you know, just like this perfection and, and, you know, their, their courtship or whatever, it just felt like the Hallmark channel, you know, Christmas special 
in the middle of great art. And so didn't like that aspect of season two one little bit. But but the best of season two is very, very good. Yeah, Forks, I think, is the episode. Is that the... Exactly. Forks is just a great episode. Completely agree. Favorite band or or music that you're listening to? I think or, or YouTube. It's something yeah. on YouTube you can direct our listeners Fat to. Joe might have been the biggest <laughs> audience feedback we've ever had. Uh, that recommendation. So, what, what, what was the what was the good recommendation? Yours was Fat Fat Joe, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, uh, <laughs> we had like yeah about a dozen people reach out on that. So. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I feel like as I spend too much time on YouTube, I, I, I'm going to make more of a prediction than, a, you know, uh, put my foot down. But I feel like I'm seeing a lot of like Toto fandom and not Africa, you know, like uh, Hold the Line and Rosanna. I'm seeing a lot of love for. So, uh, you know, maybe, you know, a band full of studio musicians, right? Like what's his name? The poor Carol, the drummer, and then Steve Luthiker who did guitar on Running With The Night, you know, and I think like Beat It or something like that, you know. So I think maybe a lot of people are going to say this is the year they they rediscovered Toto and the, the porn stash and the very, very high quality musicianship. <laughs> Fantastic. And last question for you, Tom, something you have purchased for under $1,500 uh, that has had a positive impact on your life lately. You know, it was just my wife's birthday and I uh, got her a paddleboard, which is something she's wanted. You know, I, I'm not a big spender on anything, but I'm hopeful that this uh, really is a positive impact on, on the, you know, maybe I'll get to use it sometimes, but I just hope, uh, you know, uh, it makes uh, for a happier household. Amazing. Well, th- thanks so much, Tom, for taking the time. And uh, is there anything that you're working on that you want to share or, or plug? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, continuing to do work, looking at, uh, the impacts of new housing supply on neighboring properties and, uh, you know, the, the project isn't complete, so I'm not going to come down on one side or the other, but that's a really interesting question. You know, people say all the time, well, you know, new homes are not affordable, so let's not bother building market rate housing. If you're not building social housing or, or deeply subsidized housing, geared towards low incomes and there's it, it's just you know you're you're ruining the skyline with no benefit and the question is you know I, I my instinct is to disagree but it is interesting to ask you know are you just providing homes for affluent yuppies when you build this missing middle stuff or or towers near nor near transit or when you build that and you absorb yuppie demand does that filter into more affordability in the units vacated by the people who move into those units. And that's an empirical question largely, and uh, it's a difficult one to answer, uh, but we're in the midst of it on several dimensions. Fantastic. Are you still on Twitter or formerly known as Twitter? Well, you know, I, 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 to the extent, you know, I, I don't want to call it that, that other letter of the alphabet, <laughs> but I, I am trying to be an ex-Twitter user. I mean, my feed, the thing is, I, I wanted to go to, you know, Blue Sky or whatever, but like, there's no fights about zoning there, so it's boring. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't need it. You know, it's like everybody, oh, I really enjoyed this left-leaning article about U.S. politics. <laughs> well, yeah, no kidding. We all do. <laughs> but that's not who I'm here to fight with. So I like Twitter and that, but, but it's not, now it's not fights about land use. I don't know about you guys, but it's fights. Like yeah. half of my feed is like pictures of people hitting each other. Yeah, it's, And, it's, uh, uh, you know, it, let's face it, they're pretty compelling. So <laughs> I think it's just going to get worse and worse. So I'm trying to get like just this very morning. I was like, no Twitter, none. 
It's it's uh it is amazing how I've kind of stopped using it as well. And it when I go back, it is actually quite a bit worse, right? Like it's it's it seems like it's totally gotten ruined. But uh anyway, uh so you're not goes. done by Musk, by the way, because you know, like the one, you know, I, I do not I, I I don't need to get into politics too much, but I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump. But the genius the guy has is like pitching to the lowest common denominator tends to be a very good idea. And so, like, you know, celebrity, naked stuff, people fighting, I think, you know, that's what sells tickets. And so, you know, if, if Musk is trying to recoup some of his money, you know, really bad stuff that people, you know, that, that your mother wouldn't want you looking at is probably probably what he should be populating Twitter with. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Tom. As usual, super insightful conversation, and and we really appreciate your time. Thank you both so much. Have a great uh, beginning of the year. And, and for your sake and for your colleagues' sake, I, I hope the volume is there this year. Thank you very much. Us too. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with UBC professor, Sauter School of Business, Tom Davidoff. The five wire, eh? I could do like the five wire. I bet Tom would have a different answer every week. I feel but, like uh, if there's, you know, that old, uh, was it a beer ad where it was like the most interesting guy in the world? Or was that a beer ad? Remember the guy with the beard? Oh, the, uh, was that? It was like was Dos, Equis. Dos Equis. It was the Dos Equis. I feel like they, like when I think of the most interesting guy in the world, it's always Tom Davidoff. I just see a photo of Tom. That's a, that's a very, no, but he's a very interesting guy. He's a very, he's not anything like the Dos Equis he, he be, guy. I know, no, not, not that he, not that he looks like the Dos Equis guy, but talk about an interesting dinner party, Tom at the table. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah he's an sure. interesting guy. Also really funny. Always yeah. have a good laugh uh, when, when Tom's around. So no, appreciate him coming on the show. Interesting insights. You know, we've had Tom on the program now, like consistently for eight years. Yeah, I know. And uh, I got to say, we're getting a lot more out of this relationship than Tom is. No kidding. But yeah, we appreciate him. We got to do something nice for Tom at some point. But we appreciate him uh, coming on every, a few times a year and never afraid to put his neck out there and always uh, happy to kind of explain what's going on in the BC economy and of course in uh, real estate in Vancouver. And he's involved. He's at the table for for oh, yeah. a lot of these things. No, he's at the, the, the provincial level, he's uh, yeah, he's he's one of those guys. It's theory, but it's in theory and practice. And it makes me. Uh, it reminds me that um, we should be reaching out to Professor Andre Pavlov uh, as well to get him on the show because I know a lot of people will be interested. Dueling in banjos state. there, yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. That's for sure. Uh, what else do we have, Adam? Before we cut for the day, we have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live. You can see the synopsis of our discussion with Tom David off there, as well as any other past episode. We have the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast living on our site as well. We also have, oh, is it help with buyers or buy with us? Buy there's with there's us. buttons on there. And what it gives you access to, Adam, is private client services. Yeah, Matt, because if you are not using PCS, you're standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips. Just head over, click buy with us. You'll get your free account for private client services. Again, this is listings, management software. It's, it's, you're going to be seeing new listings when they hit the market. 
You could put them in your favorites folder. In real time, it's going to show you what they sold for. It gives you all realtor level information. It's the best way to search for real estate in Vancouver. You can also use the mapping system, which is really cool. Um, But I don't know. I mean, honestly, I've tried everything online. I still go back to PCS. We use it ourselves to monitor markets and uh, it's just an easy way to do things. There's no better time to have it. No kidding, because it's an interesting moment in the market, start of February. And you said you were having a tough time. Yeah. We should have led with this, but you were legitimately, there used to be a guy in our office where every day or two he'd come in and go, I was up negotiating a deal till 2 a.m. last night. I'm so and you tired. you wondered, who is who is I like, how come I'm never deals? negotiating deals at 2 a.m.? But you were actually negotiating a deal. At not quite 2 a.m., but for some reason, just sometimes you never know how it's going to play out. But what I thought I'd be doing at 7 o'clock last night somehow turned into, started the process around 9 o'clock. It's always good. Uh, anyways, we got it. We got it accepted, but at, uh, I think, around midnight. Multiple offers on one of our listings. Yeah. And and here's the thing, or pretty close to midnight. Then, you know, I go upstairs and you're, you're, there's always, it's almost like when you get home it's like, from uh, like beer be, league hockey. I was going to say the adrenaline's pumping. You're a little bit like I'm lying there and I'm like, ah, I, I can't believe it. Cause usually I'm in bed by about nine, nine thirty. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, I'm up late, but then you're it's hopped almost like, up. I'm almost like one of my kids when they're overtired. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm like, oh, now I'm hooped. So I'm, I'm lying in bed. I can't sleep. Next thing you know, you're bouncing it's like, around. Yeah. Ba- what? <laughs> I'm, next thing, Rolling around. Pardon. pardon. Yeah. Uh, next thing I know, I'm, it's like almost one o'clock. And yeah. uh, anyways, I get to sleep. Baby wakes up at three in the morning. Got to get a bottle for myself. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> just then, I don't drink. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then, yeah. So anyways, get up at, you know, 5am, start my day. And uh, I've slept probably about four hours, so I don't know. Had a meeting this morning, just uh, killed it. If I don't have rushed it, <laughs> yeah, almost crushed a nap in the car before. But I, I gotta say, I don't really function that well. And one of the things, just to bring it back to the Woodhouse uh, BTBB, smart. He had a little gift bag for everybody. Oh at yeah, the conference. A couple things he put in there. One is eye masks yeah. um, for people to improve their sleep. I've been wearing mine. It's pretty. Otherwise, really? yeah. With the exception of last night, it's 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 pretty good. At uh, earplugs, I don't it was do like the earplugs, the, but he he. Put oh no, you would not do the earplugs because you got you got to hear. I have to hear kids. Yeah, I have yeah. To hear, yeah. Anyway, if you want to talk about that or anything else, <laughs> give me a shout at seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast com, or you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four or Adam at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast com. We also, of course, got that Kokomo line info at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast com. Have a great week, and uh, we're back here next week. We're with, back uh, here talking Grundle. zoning. Yeah, and this is again, this is uh, a deep dive into the new provincial. Well, provincial and, and, provincial and municipal zoning, uh, zoning, zoning changes. changes. Everybody wants to know. And we finally got somebody who knows what they're talking about. It's and great. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great episode. So we'll see you next week. 2000 Faces for Radio. Subscribe today. 